Welcome to the Noble's View podcast. Thanks for listening, and we're thrilled you're with us. My name is Mike Kalin, the Director of Teaching and Learning at Nobles, and I'll be your host today. Um, as always, we first want to explain the purpose of the podcast and what we're hoping to provide you. So on the podcast, we speak with faculty and staff members, all involved with our work related to teaching and learning, academic technology, DEI culture and practices, social-emotional learning, and more. Our faculty and staff here have a great deal of expertise on a wide range of subjects, and through the podcast, we hope to learn from our guests who provide insight into the opportunities and challenges in the fascinating world of education. Today, we're super excited to speak with Dave Ulrich, a true Renaissance man who teaches in the Modern Language Department and in Classics, head coach of the boys' cross-country team, and he's winner of the Vernon Green Prize for Faculty Excellence. Dave, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here, Mike. Great. So you've since been here since 2001. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your path prior to Nobles. Sure. Um, my parents were both teachers in Buffalo, New York. Uh, my dad taught U.S. American, uh, U.S. history, and my mom taught biology. Um, and out of college, I got a job teaching at RL uh, for a French teacher who was going back for continuing education. And it was a pretty heavy load there, uh, teaching four different sections of French and coaching cross country and advising 12 students, but I loved it. And after the year was done, there was a position open at Nobles and I came, loved it and have been here since. So you now have a pretty good perspective over 20 years at Nobles. And this is a pretty big question, but I was just curious, how has Nobles evolved since you first arrived? I think that the physical campus has expanded a bit. Um, everything's gotten a tad more professional. Uh, we have larger program offerings. We have a larger faculty. But the thing that I like the most is what hasn't changed. And I think that's the importance of community and the interactions that we have with our students and our athletes, but mostly with our colleagues, um, is something that I've really come to love at Nobles. And the idea of putting precedence over face-to-face -face conversations over email and just checking in with what people are doing academically, obviously, but also what's going on in their lives. And uh, I think that speaks a lot to the importance of well-being here. I really agree. I think we've been talking a lot about connections lately and, and the idea of getting off our screens, off the devices. We're talking to students about that as well. But it just seems so important, more important than ever. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, you have a reputation for being our language man on campus. And I'm just curious, how many languages do you actually speak and which ones? Uh, so I knew this would come um, as a question. It's difficult to answer for a lot of reasons. One, modesty. But there's also, it depends. And the answer changes from time to time. There are languages that I'm interested in right now um, that weren't on my radar earlier. And there are other things that I had probably had a decent handle on a while ago that I couldn't give you two or three words in right now. But it's probably over 10 in languages that I could, I mean, the important things, going out, meeting people, um, ordering, ordering some food, uh, and, and trying to talk a little bit about history. But yeah, it changes. And if there's something coming up, then it, I mean, 10 languages is absolutely amazing. I am unfortunately very monolingual, embarrassingly so. 
so the question is, what motivated you to learn so many languages? I, I feel like at best, people check out Duolingo, play around with it a little bit, never really learn the language. So what's the motivation behind it? So on one hand, on the very practical, I was an only child, still am, but I was an only child in the backseat of a car for very long road trips. And my parents were big on reading. So I had phrase books that I would occupy myself with. And as I got older, being able to apply the languages that I had learned in real life conversations, the ability to travel with a little bit more ease um, was really helpful. And again, like how many languages do I speak? Um, I have an understanding of how a lot of them work. I would not call myself fluent in more than two or three of those, uh, but I love, I've always loved the challenge of uh, trying to know something that I don't yet know. And language is a perfect vehicle to learn the language itself, but also unlocking everything um, that a language can lead to. It's a helpful transition because I think you really model this in the classroom and you're one of our most esteemed teachers on campus. So let's just start with what classes you're currently teaching now. All right, uh, I have a good variety. I have a history of ancient Greece course and history of ancient Rome. Those are semester electives in the history and classics department. I also teach a Spanish one, which is an intro class. And I have Spanish five honors, which covers history and literature of Spain and Latin America. Do you have a particular class that's your favorite or in general, like them all? In general, I like them all, although we are in the depths of January right now. So sometimes that, uh, <laughs> uh, no, um, I, I really do like all of them, uh, but for very different reasons. The, I love being able to introduce students to a new language. Uh, and I think it, it not only, you know, serves as an introduction to Spanish, but it, it's also a helpful reminder of how our own language works uh, or whatever languages a student is coming in with. I like the, then I like having the other end of the spectrum where all of the lessons of my talented colleagues come to bear in uh, our exploration of history and literature at Spanish Five Honors. And then I also love the classics. So, so, so hitting the classics, um, I think this is probably a question that a student might ask early on in the era of smartphones and sort of instant gratification, what's the value of the classics in the modern world today? Why study them? So there are a few things. I think one of the pat answers is that the classics highlight some of the questions that humanity has been dealing with for thousands of years. Um, and some of the answers that had been touched on by ancient authors and philosophers still resonate quite deeply today. But I think that that also brings some problems uh, that if we're only looking at, say, the Greeks and Romans for uh, our examples and for lessons, that is altering a worldview in, in ways that can sometimes be pernicious. Um, and so one of the things that I like about studying classical literature and history now is the fact that scholars have turned their attentions to looking at voices that aren't as representative in the canon and trying to get a better sense of how uh, life would have been lived uh, from the day to day, uh, looking at life on the frontier and sort of shifting perspective 
different centers of, of learning and trying to add uh, a bit of color to what we see as sort of a stodgy discipline. So it's pretty cool that you provide those multiple perspectives. It's something that I honestly hadn't considered. I, when I think of the classics, it seems like, you know, the canon and that's it. But helping students understand what voices are missing seems critical for sure. Uh, so taking a step back a little bit, as I mentioned, you've had a lot of success in the classroom. Just as you think about your own practice or teaching in general, what characteristics do you think define excellence, particularly in the languages and classics when it comes to teaching? From a language perspective, I think one of the greatest things is energy uh, to be able to bring. I mean, it, it's hard to spend a lot of time on adjectives or prepositions without having some energy. And I think the other thing is being able to approach a problem with a variety of perspectives and hoping that if you're teaching the same material with six or seven different exercises, that one of those is going to stick with particular students. Um, but the process of hitting it from different angles is helpful for every student in the room. I think that's really helpful. The other thing that I think is great for any teacher is to maintain a level of curiosity and to keep up one's own studies. And I can tell you that uh, studying other languages and being in the position of a student where uh, there's a professor asking you to translate, it can be nerve wracking. And it's good to, rem it's good to remember what that feels like uh, for our students. It's funny, you know, talking to a decent amount of folks whether on the podcast or just in general, it's interesting how many Nobles faculty are still in the course of studying, whether it be a formal degree or just outside of class and how much that can help. I think all of us understand, as you mentioned, what it's like to not understand something as a student or where someone might need help. It definitely it resonates. All right. So we're going to move on to our athletic program. You've had a major role in that as well. So how many years have you served as the head coach of the Boys Cross Country program? So I've been with the program since I started here. Uh, so we're 20 plus years. And then um, Bob Kern, the previous head coach, turned the program over when I came back from sabbatical. I think I'm about 15 years in right now, but I'm happy to still be working with Bob and the, the squad pretty much as it was. So you've had a ton of success with the program, especially in recent years. I mean, if you had to define your coaching philosophy, what would it be? First of all, I love running, and I love what running can do for a for anybody, really, but especially for somebody that's trying to navigate the academic stresses in life, the uh, feeling of belonging in a new school. I think running has a lot to offer there. Um, in terms of the sport itself and competition, I see my role as inspiring a love for the sport. And honestly, if I do that well, uh, a lot of the rest falls into place and the kids go after it in their own way. And then the coaching role at the other end is uh, making sure that people are making wise decisions as they decide to run faster or farther um, along the way. So you know, at Nobles, as many people know, we have the teacher-coach model. And as I've mentioned, you've had success in the classroom, on the athletic fields. What do you think, if any, are the similarities between your teaching and your coaching? First of all, caring about the kids, not only for the task at hand, whether that's in the classroom or on the cross-country course, 
um, but realizing that there are a lot of things that any given athlete or student is going to be facing on any given day. And being able to have a routine that is predictable enough uh, to find solace, but also innovative enough to keep people engaged uh, and flexible enough that we can manage with some unforeseen surprises. I mean, that's the whole idea of cross country, right? You have obstacles in front of you and you have to have some idea of how to confront them, some of which is planned and some of which is dealing in the moment. So sort of along those lines, I mean, I think you're alluding to this a little bit, but one of the things that I've noticed is I think you have a lot of commitment from your students, both in the classroom and and in cross country. And as you reflect on the attempt to form meaningful relationships with students, which seems crucial to our nobles culture, what are the ways in which you've done that? Or how how do you envision that happening? I think one of the things that I'm fortunate enough to have is a life where I'm able to pursue my passions and and share them with others. And so that comes across with the literature we're reading, with the languages we're teaching, um, and and the sport that we all love. And I think it's helpful to frame it as something that is not just confined to a classroom or a career of four years, um, but something that can still be very real and fulfilling many years out. I think that's a helpful lesson for any adolescent to realize that there's more out there. And, and those experiences will change, as do we. But it's, it, I think it makes it, that reframing is really helpful uh, just to, to provide various points of entry and, and realizing that it, all of these things are going to accompany you throughout your life and can still provide a richness. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're mentioning that passion, something that resonates with me as well, the opportunity to choose something that we as educators really enjoy and try to inculcate the same love or passion, whether it be in the classroom or in the athletic field or the courts in our students as well. It's a really, really amazing opportunity that we have here. So last question is, as many people know about Nobles, we have a fantastic Excel program where we have experiential learning trips all over the world. I think you're leading one to Peru as an upcoming visit. And I just wondered a little bit about the trip and why do you think such trips are valuable for students? So I've uh, benefited from a, a very rich history with Excel uh, and a number of student trips to Spain and throughout Central Europe um, and China. And this summer, as you said, uh, I'm going to Peru with Ms. Monik and Ms. Richard. And I'm in awe of all that Ms. Richard has done for this. Um, I think these trips are phenomenal for a lot of reasons. Uh, This one is a language trip so that kids are able to apply everything that they've learned sort of in a theoretic uh, manner and able to apply that in a real world situation. Um, I think the connections with each other, with their fellow students, and also with students in Peru is really helpful. And honestly, any time that you're able to see different areas of the world or areas of your very same world in different ways uh, is a valuable experience. It seems like it'll be an amazing trip. And our students, I think, are so fortunate, extremely fortunate to be able to have these opportunities led by phenomenal educators like yourself, who I think can bring these cultures to life. So anything else in your mind as we conclude the podcast, teaching, learning, coaching, Peru? Uh, I guess just a plug for curiosity and 
sort of breaking out of algorithms that other people or, or things are producing for you um, and, and finding, I don't know, sometimes by pure happenstance, things that catch your eye uh, and exploring those a little bit more, whether that's for a class or just in your day-to-day life. You really modeled that, Dave. I, I say that as a colleague and someone admires from afar, but I think that notion of curiosity and it's something that I certainly as a teacher think about my students and again, in, in that era where they can go to their smartphones and find just about anything keeping them curious about the world, I think is definitely so important. Uh, So before we finish up, just a quick plug. Um, We've had other really thoughtful educators like Dave on the podcast. So if you get a chance to check them out, it's the Noble Jude podcast on either Apple and Spotify. And if not, hopefully you'll check us out for the next one. Dave, thank you again. My pleasure. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) 